Welcome back, my friends, once again to another episode of Red Pill News. I hope you guys are having a lovely day. Today is Wednesday, July 6th. Now, I was unable to make my episode of RPN yesterday. I had some problems with my soundboard, but that's not a big deal because I got it sorted out, and here we are, and the news is practically exploding across the airwaves. First of all, we have the first statement from the parents of the Highland Park shooter. Let's see what they have to say about their son's actions. And then we're going to be heading down to Georgia because it appears this morning there was a possible explosion at the Georgia Guidestones. We're going to see what it was and what it wasn't. And we've got video footage for you as well as images of that rubble. Then we're going to be moving over to Washington, D.C. Paul Sperry and Real Clear Politics have announced this past week that leaked emails coming out of the January 6th commission show that both Congress and the Capitol Police had forewarning of Antifa and BLM infiltrators showing up in Washington, D.C., being bussed in and dressing up like Trump supporters. This blows the narrative out of the water that there was any type of organized insurrection by anyone on Trump's side. Then we're going to be looking at Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden appears to be under investigation and potentially on wiretaps with Chinese CCP-connected individuals. Then we're going to be ending in the Netherlands, where, unfortunately, Dutch police have shot and killed a 16-year-old boy after farmers there have been protesting new restrictions that will certainly shut down a large percentage of the farms. So do me a favor, sit back, relax, grab your popcorn, and we're going to be right back after this. Right now, with inflation at 8.6% and climbing, you're going to need some help to get back to financial safety. And the good news is you can call Noble Gold and their experts will help explain to you the benefits of a gold IRA or 401k. So that way, you won't have to worry about a thing. And if you're quick, they're giving away an incredible one-tenth of an ounce American Eagle gold-proof coin with every qualifying IRA or 401k rollover. You can't go wrong with Noble Gold. So give them a call at 877-646-5347, or you can visit them at noblegoldinvestments.com. Click the link below. And remember, when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. All right, guys, welcome back. Thank you for sticking around. We're going to talk a little bit about the Highland shooting because some new information has become available. Now, on the day of this tragic event, obviously, people were looking to see what the family said. And the uncle of Robert Cremo III came out and did give a small statement. He basically said that there was no warning that Robert Cremo III was going to engage in some type of crazy behavior like this. Now, I hate to judge a book by its cover, but it looks like the kid had some problems and uh, there must have been some warning signs. You can take a look. This is his vehicle right there. He's got that 47 on it. I don't personally know what this 47 means. I've seen a lot of people kind of speculating about it online, uh, but it's also got this very strange evil smile on the front of his uh, Acura that looks like an Acura. So the police have said that they believe Robert Cremo III committed this act, but let's be honest, he hasn't been tried yet, so he is innocent until proven guilty here in the United States of America. But this is what his parents had to say. We are all mothers and fathers, sisters and brothers, and this is a terrible tragedy for many families, the victims, the parade goers, the community, and our own. Our hearts, thoughts, and prayers go out to everybody. Now, they didn't give this statement live. Uh, they delivered it through their lawyer, Steve Greenberg, uh, who has been hired to represent them. Now, what do we know about Robert Cremo? Well, Robert Cremo II, the father of Robert Cremo III, the alleged shooter, 
actually ran for mayor in Chicago back in 2019. Uh, They have said further that they want people to respect their privacy as they try to sort through this tragedy. Greenberg then said the parents share everyone's desire to figure out everything that went wrong so this doesn't happen again to more innocent people, children, and families. Now, the parents are cooperating with law enforcement. They're going to be answering all the questions the cops want to know. Uh, And the alleged shooter himself, Robert Cremo III, is being represented by two other lawyers, Thomas Durkin and Josh Herman. Now, Durkin and Herman have not given any responses. They have not responded to requests for comment. But it's only a matter of time before they end up going before a set of cameras and telling people what they think and uh, what their uh, their their client's case looks like. Now, what's very interesting is that it appears based on surveillance footage that Robert Cremo, the third fled the scene of the crime dressed as a woman, which may explain why they saw uh, someone with long black hair. But when he ran away, he apparently made it all the way back to his mom's house. He stole her vehicle, but he was seen by a member of the public who then alerted police, and although this article says that he was arrested a day after the shooting, on the day of the shooting, we actually saw him being arrested right there in the street, so I'm sure that this is a typo, uh, unless they're telling us that the person they arrested the day of wasn't actually Robert Cremo III. Now, question of the guns. Did he acquire these guns legally? Apparently he did. Now, we don't have a specific motive, but it's obvious from watching the videos and the cartoons that Robert made, the man was a little touched. He had something going on in his head, and I speculated yesterday on Occam's Razor that this appears to be another MK Ultra style shooting. Robert had some ideas in his head, He was clearly stating that he was destined for something, and this appears to be that act that he was destined for. Now, we do know that he did attempt suicide a couple of years ago and that the police were aware of him. They thought him to be a clear and present danger back in 2019. However, when he applied for a firearm owner's identification card, they went ahead and granted it to him. So there may be a question there uh, uh, as to what the police were thinking. Now, the truth of it is, in the United States of America, we have the right to bear arms. And unless there is some overriding reason why you shouldn't be allowed to own a gun, say like you're a felon, uh, it makes sense that they went ahead and granted it. But I guess the question is, what exactly did they know about Robert and why did they grant him the ability to purchase these guns? If they really thought he was a danger, then that calls into question the judgment of the police. Under Illinois state law, you have to have this FOID in order to obtain a gun, and you have to renew it every so often. So it seems like the police are checking in on you to make sure that something crazy hasn't happened in the meantime. Um, the really sad part about this is Robert's father, Robert Cremo II, he actually sponsored Robert to be able to purchase that gun. So it's kind of like he vouched for him, saying that he trusted that Robert wasn't going to do something crazy with this gun. That's got away on his dad's conscience. Now, Although he sponsored Robert, he went and bought the gun without any involvement from his father. Now, the lawyer also had this to say, kind of interesting. He said, F Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, Senator Ted Cruz, and all like them, while claiming no one needs high-powered weapons like the firearm Robert Cremo III allegedly used. Now, an AR-15 is no more high-powered than any other rifle out there. Uh, the thing that's going to create the power is the size of the bullets, and he could have had uh, a 30 on 6 which would be a much more powerful gun. It's just 
just a little bit more unwieldy. But based on this statement, it sounds like the lawyer is indicating that everybody needs guns. It certainly would have helped on the day of this massacre if somebody would have had a gun, they could have stopped Robert Cremo III and perhaps fewer people would have died. Now, on the day of the shooting, six people had died. I believe 30 people were injured. Since that time, another person has died. So Robert Cremo III has been charged with seven counts of first-degree murder. Uh, there was all kinds of evidence that we could have looked through on Robert's official social media accounts, but... As is often the case in these MK Ultra style shootings, the social media platforms immediately took that stuff down. Now, again, on Occam's Razor yesterday, I went over him in detail. I believe that Robert was at best mentally disturbed and probably associated with left-wing ideals. He looked like he was dressed for an Antifa riot in a number of those pictures. And that strange uh, kind of design that he had on him, uh, somebody had tracked that down saying that it has some type of a magic sigil. Certainly nobody on the right is dealing in black magic. So I'm sure more information is going to come out about Robert. I'm sure that the left wing media is going to continue to say he was a Trumper. I don't believe that. And I don't think any of us want to claim him. All right, so what we're looking at here is some video footage taken this morning at the Georgia Guidestones. Now, of course, the Georgia Guidestones uh, have been in Elbert County, Georgia, for a number of years. This is a hot topic among people in the truth and freedom movement. You don't get a very good look in this footage at the actual rubble itself, but it just shows you the amount of uh, presence on hand right there. Uh, people investigating. I'm sure this is county. This is probably going to result in some uh, higher law enforcement agencies as well. But as you can see they have the area cordoned off uh, they have a, a number of different crews there kind of looking to evaluate whether or not the structure of the georgia guidestones is going to remain intact um, we really don't know what happened but let's get into it a little deeper and take a look at some pictures all right, so we're going to take a look at some different images from several different angles, and we're going to see what exactly is happening at the Georgia Guidestones. Now, just in case you are not familiar with the Georgia Guidestones, this is a granite monument that was erected in 1980 in Elbert County, Georgia. It is a set of 10 guidelines inscribed on this structure in a number of different languages. I think it's eight different languages. And there is also a shorter message that's at the top of the structure in four ancient languages. Uh, the monument sits at 750 feet above sea level. It's just east of Atlanta, uh, and it's very close to Athens, Georgia as well. Now, in the center with four slabs sitting around it, we have on top a capstone. That capstone uh, is sitting on top of those five slabs, and it's astronomically aligned. So it, it's kind of reminiscent of Stonehenge, and with the Ten Guidelines on it, of course, and that kind of calls back to the Ten Commandments, but there is nothing biblical or religious about this. Now, it has been referred to as an American Stonehenge, and one of the reasons it has a lot of mystery around it is because the people who erected it are completely anonymous. There is a name associated with it, a man named R.C. Christian, um, but that's pretty much assumed to be a pseudonym. He had said that he was erecting it on behalf of a group of loyal Americans, uh, and that he said that these stones should serve as a compass 
a calendar and a clock, uh, and they should be capable of withstanding certain catastrophic events. Uh, let's go ahead and just let me tell you the inscriptions. The first one, maintain humanity under 500 million in perpetual balance with nature. That sounds like one of the goals of the elite, not really in favor of humanity as a whole. Uh, that means that they don't want people to be breeding. They want to keep artificially down the population of the world. Number two, Guide reproduction wisely, improving fitness and diversity. That sounds like uh, eugenics to me. Then we have unite humanity with a living new language. Sounds like they want to get back uh, before the Tower of Babel when everybody understood each other. Then we have number four, rule, passion, faith, tradition, and all things with tempered reason. Now, of course, that doesn't sound so bad. Uh, everybody should be reasonable. Uh, number five, protect people and nations with fair laws and just courts. This, to me, seems like it's pointing at a new world order, one world government, because how are you going to uh, keep everything balanced between all these different nations with different laws in effect? Uh, then we have number seven, avoid petty laws and useless officials. Uh, I kind of agree with that one. Uh, then number eight, balance personal rights with social duties. Mm, that's getting closer to socialism. I don't like that. Number nine, prize truth, beauty, love, seeking harmony with the infinite. That's not so bad. And then number 10, be not a cancer on earth. Leave room for nature. Leave room for nature. Uh, so this is a mixture of good and bad, a mixed bag of philosophies that uh, would be good for some people, but maybe it wouldn't be good for all people. So here is an image of the rubble that is now in place. One of those tablets has been destroyed, and we don't know exactly what's happened. But there is an investigation underway, uh, and there have been helicopters circling the area, so we have it from a couple of different angles. Now, here's another strange thing about the Guidestones. I said that it's in Elberton County. Well, it sits seven miles north of Elberton, and it's on Georgia Highway 77, 777. Pretty interesting stuff. Here is another image of that rubble that currently sits where the five tablets once were. Uh, and these pictures were taken just before noon earlier today. There is one tablet that's been totally destroyed and another one that's only been damaged. Now, Another picture, this one right here, was taken around 7.30 this morning. So, obviously, this happened pretty early. We do have some people who live close to the Guidestones. They said they heard and felt an explosion at 4 a.m. Uh, now, there was a post that was put on Facebook shortly after that explosion was felt. So, we kind of have a timeline there. There was another individual on social media who also said they felt a boom under their home. It shook the house at 4 a.m. And then another one said they heard what they thought was thunder at 4 a.m. Also, though, it shook the house. Now, I said there are a number of different crews there. We've got the Elbert County Sheriff's Office. We've got emergency management officials. Uh, they are not providing information. The Georgia Bureau of Investigation is, in fact, helping out with this case. So I'm assuming we're going to be learning some more stuff in the future. Now, we do have some more video footage with which gives us a better look at what happened. Let's go ahead and take a look at that. Surging electric bills are going to sting this summer, and rising prices are affecting all aspects of our daily lives. And this includes the resources that affect electricity costs. Residents in some cities are going to see their power bills double in price. New Hampshire residents, for example, can expect to see an increase of $71 per month. And residents in some cities, like New York, are just opting to not use their air conditioning altogether. But luckily, there is a device that the electricity companies don't want you to know about. Right here, this amazing 4-in-1 portable AC unit is a portable, easy-to-use mini air conditioner. 
I keep mine on every day. It sits right on my desk and blows chilly air into my room for hours. I'm saving a ton of my power with just the flick of a button. This air conditioning unit works as four devices in one, an air cooler, mist cooler, air purifier, and air humidifier. Anyone who wants to save on their power bill should have one in their room. And you can learn more by going to easysummercool.com. You're also going to save 50% off if you order yours today. And remember, when you support my sponsors, you support this channel. We continue to follow breaking news out of Northeast Georgia, where we just learned there's been an explosion at Georgia Guidestones. New video just in shows damage to the Guidestones in Elberton County. The GBI and local officials are investigating this explosion. They say someone detonated an explosive device around 4 a.m. The Guidestones are located on Highway 77 in Elberton. Now, clearly, you can see from that footage, one of the tablets is completely destroyed. Looks like the capstone is badly damaged as well, and at least one of the other standing pillars has been damaged as well. Uh, Now, the GBI has released the following information. They believe an unknown individual or individuals actually set an explosive device there. Now, what could that have been? Maybe a pipe bomb, maybe a hand grenade, maybe a claymore, who knows? Uh, It all depends. You can get all kinds of things from Army Surplus. And as we saw yesterday on Occam's Razor, you can even buy surplus current military-grade equipment if you know where to get it from Ukraine. But they're also saying this happened right around 4 a.m. Here are some additional images from reporters that are on the scene. We've got John Mankey here saying one of the guidestones is down. Here is another image of the aerial view from the other side, and you can see the rubble is strewn quite far away from the positioning of the stones. Uh, We've got some material over here. We've got a lot of material over this way. Hopefully, whoever actually set this device off was nowhere near it when it blew up. Uh, This very easily could have been something that someone had a timer on, allowing it to, uh, to explode. Now, Since 1979, when the Guidestones first began to be constructed, and then in 1980 when they were finished, these have been the subject of much controversy. As I showed you in those 10 guidelines that they put on the stones, it seems to me to be uh, someone who is kind of uh, making a wish list for the New World Order and the way that they would like for us to be ruled in the future. Now, what's interesting is that on May 24th, a current gubernatorial candidate for uh, Georgia, that would be Candace Taylor, she said out loud in an event that the Guidestones are satanic and she made demolishing them part of her platform. So the real question here is, who actually tried to destroy these Guidestones? Was this perhaps a person who didn't like the idea of them standing, perhaps a person who felt that they were satanic and they they shouldn't be there in the first place? Or is this an orchestrated event designed to make Candace Taylor appear to be part of this call to destroy the Guidestones altogether? Certainly, if Candace was going to be elected governor of Georgia, uh, she could ask for the Guidestones to be taken down in the proper legal manner. It's interesting to me that they have been blown up now shortly after Candace made this comment. Uh, so it would not surprise me at all if this was a false flag operation designed to make Candace 
Candace Taylor look bad and ensure that she loses the Georgia governor's race come November. But it would also not surprise me, I have to say, if this was simply an act of God that allowed for these guidestones to be destroyed. Certainly, as I said in the beginning of this video, they were built to withstand certain uh, natural disasters, and I think that I even heard once that they were built to withstand a nuclear blast. Now, if it was an act of God, perhaps it was an earthquake. Well, except that we can take a look here and we can say that there were no earthquakes that would have been uh, sufficient enough to destroy them, certainly not in this area. Uh, so either it was someone intentionally trying to level them, or perhaps it was just God himself who looked down and said, I'm sick and tired of these damn things standing here. If you have any information about this, I would love to see it below. It's entirely possible by the time this video comes out, more info will have been released. But until then, that's all I got for you. Wait, hold the phone. We have breaking news. Here I am, future Zach, sending myself back through time through the miracle of video editing to set my video up in a new direction. I have to let you guys know the Georgia Guidestones have been completely demolished after the explosion this morning. I also have video footage of that explosion. So let's go ahead and watch the Guidestones being taken down and I'll be right back. All right, so there you have it. It's pretty clear that they needed to use heavy machinery to push these things over. That was a lot of weight, and I actually have my friend Sean Anon, who's a stonemason, and he said there was no way these stones were in danger of coming down on their own. So there's only one thing that I can think of. They did not want people investigating this too hard. Let's now take a look at the explosion itself, and we'll discuss what this might or might not be. All right, so here is from an on-site webcam, and you can see it comes from the top left. It looks to be a large surge of energy. Let's take a look in slow motion. Okay, what you're seeing now is at half speed, so keep your eyes just above the guidestones, and you can see what appears to be a large blast of energy. Clearly, that stone is thrown, but I don't see a fireball. I don't see anything indicating that this is an incendiary device. Very, very interesting. All right, so it does not look to me like that was an explosion from a device. If you take a look at the video, there appears to be a bolt of light or a flash of energy that comes from the upper left of the screen and then hits the guidestones, and that stone is completely exploded. Now, I don't know if the light in the background was um, intensified by an energy surge or an energy beam, but it does appear to get very bright very quickly. 
And then we are left with simply a cloud of smoke. What I don't see is an explosion or any other overt source of energy that would have blown up the granite in the way that it did. Uh, there's a lot of theories out there about how this happened. But as far as I'm concerned, all we know is that the Guidestones are no longer standing. Obviously, over the course of the next few days, more information will be coming out. Uh, if they do blame someone... I expect them to blame a Trump supporter or somebody who is perhaps Christian and uh, has spoken about their open hatred or disdain for the, the stones in the past. Uh, but this to me, looking at that video, it makes it look to me even more like this is a direct act of God. It doesn't look like a bolt of lightning. It looks like a flash of energy uh, or, you know, uh, that that's basically the only thing I can say. It appears to be a flash of energy. Now, this opens up the possibility of perhaps a directed energy weapon, uh, maybe a satellite shooting this out of the sky, perhaps Space Force are the ones who actually destroyed the Georgia Guidestones. But once again, I was just on 412 Anon's show, Deplorable Discussions, and we were uh, talking about this very thing. And the one thing that I can tell you is that we have had some incredible wins here recently, guys. We had the overturning of Roe vs. Wade. We have uh, a win in the Supreme Court on gun rights. Uh, we have the neutering of the EPA, and that decision right there can potentially lead to the neutering of a lot of federal agencies. These are some really big things that are happening in close succession with one another, and it makes me feel like even more we are on the right path. All right, back to our regularly scheduled program. Okay, big shout out to Ohio Patriot 25 for sending over the USGS information so that I could show it to you guys right here. There is a mystery surrounding the destruction of the Georgia Guidestones, but I'll tell you what there is no mystery about. The orchestrated event that took place on January 6, 2021, that was a false flag as well, my friends. The government, the Congress, the Capitol Police, they were well aware in advance that paid demonstrators were going to be bussed in in order to look like Trump supporters. Paul Sperry releasing this on July 1st. Internal emails revealed that the day before January 6th in the Capitol riot, the Capitol Police Intel Unit warned Congress that BLM from Baltimore was bussing in rioters. That means BLM Antifa were planning to wear MAGA hats, wear camo, and attempt to blend in with the MAGA crowd. Why would they do that? Well, so that they could then blame violence on Trump supporters who were attending the rally. This is exactly what we've said happened for a very long time, and we could see it proof positive in John Sullivan's own video, in John Sullivan's Discord chat, in the paid footage that John Sullivan himself sold to CNN and other mainstream network news programs. Now, knowing that they had this advance warning, why do you think that the Capitol Police, that the Congress, and that others in Washington, D.C. would allow this January 6th rally to take place? Well, it's the exact same reason. They knew they had to destroy Donald Trump. They knew they needed to have a reason to crucify Trump supporters and to shut down freedom of expression, freedom of association, freedom in the United States as a whole. 
We know that January 6th was a false flag narrative. I'm just waiting to see these emails. Paul Sperry, I haven't found any articles where he wrote about this. We don't know his source, but I trust Paul Sperry and the information he's brought out in the past. Now, I was only able to find a couple of articles written about this, but Paul Sperry is alleging that this leaked internal memo came out of the Capitol Police Intel Unit, and they had full knowledge ahead of time. This is a picture of Ray Epps, someone who has been long suspected of of being a federal informant or at the very least a federal honeypot who was present on January 6th and his express role was to get people to enter the U.S. Capitol, to at least plant the seeds and tell people that they should be entering the U.S. Capitol. This is on top of the knowledge that we already have that Capitol Police or the people inside the Capitol building, someone inside the building, opened the magnetic locks on the doors and allowed people to come in. We also know that the police invited people in. You can see them waving. You can see them having frank conversations with patriots inside the Capitol. You can see them taking selfies with the people walking in Inside the U.S. Capitol. This is not the first time we've heard this narrative. Back in 2021, Christina Layla said that ex-Capitol Police Chief Stephen Sund dropped a bombshell in February 2021 when he was testifying between the Senate Rules and Homeland Security Committees. Now, Mr. Sund at that time also testified that there was intelligence gathered by law enforcement groups that they knew that Proud Boys, also some bad actors, and Antifa were planning to participate in a riot on January 6th, and that it was inclined to become violent. However, the regular average everyday Trump supporters that were showing up to a rally that Donald Trump was speaking at, we had no idea because they never warned anybody. They took this knowledge, they kept it for themselves, and they never let anyone know. Now, in spite of all of those early warnings and the fears that somehow Proud Boys were going to be the ones perpetrating violence, since that time, we've had that recently revealed video evidence showing that Zoom call that Proud Boys members were on discussing how they didn't want to be involved in violence. So to me, it looks like the only people that we can conclusively say were involved in violence on January 6th were these Antifa demonstrators who were pretending to look like Trump supporters. Now, this is corroborated with the video evidence we have of January 6th, Antifa agitators being dropped off by buses, people even getting back on buses and taking off as soon as the action started. This is corroborated by the images and video we have of Antifa dressing up as Trump supporters in the bushes and then getting angry when people were taking that video footage of them. We had plainclothes militants there on the day of. I saw people wearing military style uh, clothing with their faces covered with earpieces in. I saw them staging inside of a tent at the backside of the Capitol building. We know that agent provocateurs, that fake Trump supporters, and even participants of the color revolution in Ukraine were present in D.C. on January 6th. This is just the cherry on top. We already knew what happened on January 6th. It's just time we let the rest of the world know. All right, now, rounding out the video, we're in the home stretch. This here is a short story. However, its importance and potential impact for future ramifications in America cannot be overstated. I'm certain that every single person here remembers quite clearly the TCF Center in Detroit on election night. You see, going into the election day, President Trump was ahead of Joe Biden by something like 100,000 votes. He was ready to surpass his margin from 2016. He was certainly going to win the state of Michigan in the way that he was going to win Arizona, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, Georgia, and so on and so on. However, 
at roughly 3.30 in the morning, there was a couple of vans. You can see them on the screen here. Uh, they came in with the insignia of the Detroit City Clerk's Office on them. They dropped off several boxes of ballots, and each of these boxes had thousands of ballots in them. At least 50 boxes were dropped off. That's according to witnesses that were present on that day, including a man named Shane Trejo, Melissa Carone, who was there working for Dominion at the time, uh, also Pat Colbeck, who was a former former. Michigan legislator. He was there. They all saw it. They all saw that they came from this official Detroit City clerk van, and they knew that it was well after the 8 p.m. deadline. It wasn't until this point that Joe Biden took the lead in the state of Michigan. Obviously, all of these ballots were illegal because they were outside of the official time that ballot drop-offs had to stop. They had no chain of custody, and there was videographic evidence showing that they came in way later than they should have. Now, what is important about this story coming back up is that Greg Phillips on Truth Social had a little comment to make about it. He said, remember the TCF Center in Detroit? Still in the early stages of the analysis, but first run shows eight unique devices of interest, patterns of life, and other locations coming soon. So this means that Greg Phillips and the people at True the Vote are going to be doing the exact same type of analysis on device IDs that were present in the TCF Center on election night as they did down in Georgia. So we're going to see exactly where these ballots came from. We're going to see exactly where these people originated and the businesses or organizations they visited on their way into the TCF Center at 3.30 in the morning. What I'm really hoping is that we're going to see some of the same organizations that came up down in Georgia uh, coming up here in Detroit, because that would establish a pattern of events. Certainly, if we had a timeline that we could attribute to these people, where their devices were, were at what times, and then we can line that up with different organizations and their activities on that day, too. I think that it's only a matter of time before we blow the lid wide open on the fraud that occurred in the TCF Center on election night in 2020. Clearly, Joe Biden is an illegitimate president. We've already had that established in Texas. We've had that established in Wisconsin. And people all over the country have already established that for themselves. As far as I'm concerned, I don't need anyone official to tell me that. But what I do need is the incredible investigations of patriots like Greg Phillips and the people at True the Vote to prove beyond a shadow of a doubt that these people did something illegal on election night. And once we get that, we just need a judge to listen to us. All right. And finally, I just wanted to talk in a little bit more depth about the situation happening right now in the Netherlands. Thousands of Dutch farmers are rising up because of new restrictions that have been placed on farmers in that country. Essentially, the government is forcing farmers to essentially shut down their cattle ranches, and it's going to cause massive food shortages on top of everything that we're already dealing with, both here in America and in Europe and probably many other places throughout the world. The worst part is that during these demonstrations, Dutch police have murdered a 16-year-old boy. Now, this is no fly-by-night demonstration. It seems that the Dutch people have really taken a cue from the truckers here in America and in Canada because they are not only blocking roadways, they're blocking airports, they're blocking government buildings with 
piles of animal dung. Uh, it is quite incredible to see. And the police in the Netherlands are simply freaking out. They're waving their guns around like madmen. They're pointing them at people in their vehicles. Uh, it's it's no wonder that this 16-year-old was murdered uh, during the middle of these demonstrations. We're going to go ahead and take a look at some of these videos. You can see there are thousands of people all over the country, both in the countryside and in the cities that are taking part in these demonstrations. They were mad before, but once this 16-year-old boy was murdered, it's another level. Let's take a look at the video. So I know that was a bit of a longer clip, longer than I normally play, but I thought it was important to show you guys just how serious the people of the Netherlands are. 
This is not a small protest. This is essentially spilling out into the entirety of the country. Thousands of people in virtually every city walking out into the streets to show their solidarity with the people that run these farms, that provide them their food. I mean, you know they mean business if they're spraying liquid manure onto government buildings. Uh, that is no small feat. Certainly, the government is going to be angry about that. And in response, they've deployed armored units all over different parts of Amsterdam. You can see right here, there they are, rolling down the streets, essentially tanks of war heading out to fight farmers. Uh, the tractors that you saw blocking the police station right there, that's because they had some protesters in custody and they wanted them out. We've got 20 distribution centers of major supermarket chains that will now be affected as a result of these new nitrogen rules that have been put into place. The police going out and beating protesters for doing nothing more than walking down the street. We also have here an image of the tractor the 16-year-old boy was driving. Apparently, the police tried to say that he went to run through a barricade, but video footage has actually come out showing that he swerved to avoid the police and they shot at him anyways. Here is that 16-year-old that was murdered in cold blood. And then, of course, we had that other video showing that civilians are driving down the street and the police are just waving their guns around. We have had convoys forming all over the nation. People extremely upset about what's happened to that young man and to the way that the Dutch people are being treated. And we also even have Dutch fishermen getting in on the action. Blockades all over the country. And this is what happens when people like us, the normal, average, everyday people of these countries that are run by criminals, decide that we've had enough, that we are no longer going to play the game. There are far more of us than there are of them. And the same is true whether we're here in uh, the United States or whether we're in Amsterdam or the UK. It doesn't matter. The people of the world outnumber the criminals of the world 10 to 1. Guarantee it. And all we have to do is let them know that we're not going to play by their rules anymore. They're probably going to kill some of us. They're probably going to try to destroy us and demoralize us. But in the end, they are not going to be able to overcome us. And that is why I get out here every day and ask people like you to get involved at the local level. And only when we take the reins of power from this failed and corrupt establishment will we be able to implement the solutions that we know will work. Because we the people know what's best for us. Certainly a lot better than this elite criminal cabal that's trying to destroy our nation and our world as we speak. All right, my friends, thank you so much for joining us today. That's all I've got for you. Don't forget, tomorrow at noon, Occam's Razor is coming one hour early. It'll be that way tomorrow. It'll be that way next week on Tuesday and Thursday. And then it will go back to the regular time of 1 p.m. Eastern. I want to thank you once again. As always, this has been Red Pill 78. My name is Zach Payne, the Corruption Detector, and this was another edition of Red Pill News. Good luck, everyone, and God bless.